Welcome, everybody, to the Too High Podcast. I'm Seth Galina, alongside my trusty co-host, Deontay Lee. And on today's episode, we have one of our favorite people in the world making his uh, return visit to the Too High Podcast. So I guess this is your first time on the Too High Podcast. Yes. We're on the PFF College Football Podcast. And now, um, you're back, Mr. Nate Tice. <laughs> I am back. I know, I, I, I got to play... Uh, or be on this pod when I was the Houston Oilers, and now I'm I'm on to when you guys move. Now you're the Tennessee Titans or whatever, whatever team that moved, whatever reconfiguration. That's where I, I'm at now with this team or this podcast. So no, thanks for having me back, and uh, I'm glad that intro went pretty smooth, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one take. Look, we did it in Wait, one take, so one we're, take. we're cutting down the time right now. Uh, I'm, I'm just glad you didn't say Seth is a Seth is the most well rested man on this podcast, and you can hear it in his energy. To, to start the show, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just glad you didn't you didn't say that we're like the Montreal Expos and now the Washington Nationals. That, Washington. I would have kicked you off. I would have muted you <laughs> for the rest of the pod. That's the joke. I knew there was a joke there, and I was like, oh man, I want Houston Oilers, Tennessee Titans. Like I could have gotten Lakers, maybe like Minneapolis Lakers, to LA, you know, something like that. But yeah, or Rick Browns to Ravens. But yeah, no, I, I, I God, that that was the joke right there. Was the Expos joke, wasn't it? The Expos are coming back, no. though, so don't worry about it. We're getting a half, actually a half. Well, they're talking about like you know half the time they're going to play in Tampa, and then half the time they're going to play in Montreal. Oh, they're at like that. I don't just, know. It's going to happen. Love the Blue Jays that you have. No, yeah. <laughs> are you out of your fucking mind? Like, I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> this is the most insulting thing anyone's ever said to me is to, for me to love a Toronto sports team. Okay, let's that, get to. That, that's when the Sonics moved. Everyone was like, "Just cheer for the Blazers," and I was like, "Absolutely not." It was like, no way am I cheering for a Portland team after I just cheered for the Sonics my whole childhood. Uh, okay. Well, let's start with football. <laughs> let's talk about football. Uh, Nate, you are a uh, Wisconsin Badgers fan. I know. You went, you went to Wisconsin. You played at Wisconsin. Wisconsin has a big game coming up. They're playing against Notre Dame. It is the Jack Cohn revenge game. What are your thoughts on the from what you kind of saw with Jack Cohn uh, a couple of years ago playing for Wisconsin. And now they've kind of made the decision and they kind of said, Hey, we like Gray Mertz better. In your opinion, has that worked out <laughs> the way that they would no, have liked it to do? I what's it's kind of like hilarious. What a difference those two are, like how different of styles they are too. Like Jack Cohn is like, Scotty Tolzien, like a, a, a Zoomer version of Scotty Tolzien, <laughs> where everything everything plays out how it's going to be. He's great. Like, he's going to be accurate. He's going to read the play out properly. Can he create? Not really. But he can, like, just – if you have a good offense around him, he's going to operate it to the fullest. Like, he is, like that, – that is what he is. That's why I even, like, even for NFL level, I thought he could, like, have a chance as a backup. You know, like, he could stick because he's just smart. He works hard. He's big okay arm but he's, he's accurate big, yeah. he, honestly, he is big. Him in the Notre Dame jersey I felt like maybe, maybe he grew I mean he's still a young kid maybe he grew but like he's a big kid he is yeah yeah he's a he's big dude and he's like I would say he's a bad athlete but he's like just an okay athlete like if that's being generous but that's what's so funny is that Wisconsin finally gets a highly rated quarterback recruit like the highest they've ever had even more than when Russell was transferring there and he's a dummy. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> and I wouldn't say it's a hard, hard offense. It really is because Coach Chris, rather than for better or for worse, rather than just going, hey, we're going to run these three plays, these pass plays, and run them every single week, and we're going to maybe dress up a little bit. 
he is very game planning and very he's got third downs gonna be crazy first and second downs gonna have all these tweaks red zones gonna have crazy stuff it's tough it's really tough on the quarterback unless they're into it and really getting to know all this stuff and working hard and really like getting to know this offense like you you can't create as much out of it just because of how the structure of it is and really the situations get put in to pass the ball so it's an offense that's timing you have to know where the ball is going because coach chris for better for worse again is going to go he wants every option to be live on a pass concept because he wants answers to every coverage that you think you can get. That's hard. Like that's why a lot of those quarterbacks, they had to be two years into that system before they really clicks for them. And then now Mertz is getting thrown in and it just, it, you can tell that he's not comfortable in a lot of these plays. Like they, the one against Penn state where he threw the pick at the end of the game, they ran stick nod. And then they, he misread it because he tried to force it into a stick nod. They had underneath throw coming open. They run it again. And he did the exact same thing. And it's like, that's, it's, it's, it's probably tough for them, for the coaches, just because that's where headsets are. I get a little spoiled of NFL world just with the headsets. You can actually talk to the quarterback and go like, Hey, read it out. Make sure you read it out. They're just signaling it in and going like, like, please do it right. <laughs> please, please read this play out. Right. So I, I should, I want, I want to retract saying he's a dummy. It's just a, it's a tough offense uh, mentally. And, and he's physically gifted. I feel like he is fairly accurate. The arm is just not, a, I did I thought he had a little more of a true, Cannon than he does for such a highly recruited, recruited guy. He's got good size. It's just, I think he's just mentally he has to get there. And I think everything else will fall into place once he does. You mentioned that talking into the headset at the NFL level, I mean, we're getting off topic already, but like, yeah. what is that process like? And is there a lot of, you know, here's the play call, blah, 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 blah. And then this extra, like, hey, uh, if they roll, if they roll this way, throw there, or like throw the nine, or look out for this, or look out for the blitz. Is there a lot of that? And I mean, it depends on the OC or what's going yeah. on. Yeah, all depends on the guy to communicate to the quarterback and and whether the quarterback likes that or not. I know some quarterbacks that just tell them to get the guy in their headset, shut the f up, and don't say a word. Just give me the play and be quiet because I want they want to think. I know other ones where the OC would be like, yeah, a lot. I think the general gist of it though is blah, 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 give the play, give the play, give the play, to just go, hey, remember, check the safety on this one. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a killed play, like it's kind of a reminder going like, hey, you know, hey, you're killing off, you're killing off a low, you're killing off a nine tech on this, you know, like just maybe it's just like little reminders or they might be like, hey, they adjusted something. Hey, hey, I'm giving you sword here, but we're going to tag the X on a double move. Okay. All right. Da, 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 and give the play caller there. That's where I think guys like Kyle Shanahan is fantastic in, in the sense that he never gets to delay a game. Like they, because he is so ready for the next play. Coach Chris is the same way too, even with with signals and everything. He's so ready for the next play that even when they give the little tidbits, they still have plenty of time to break the huddle at 20 seconds, 18 seconds. and still have time to operate and do everything they want to do. But yeah, some guys like the reminders. Some guys just are like, no, don't say a freaking word. I'll read it out. <laughs> like I make a hundred million dollars. Right. Don't talk to me. It all, all depends on the guy. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. That's one thing that I've often worried, that I'm not worried, but wondered about, um, especially like on the defense, even on the defensive end, right? Like if you think about, and I think that what you're saying with like those small, subtle reminders, those are like the little game plan specific stuff, right? Like, yes. oh, hey, we want to run outside zone, but remember if they give us a bear look, we want to can it and yep. get to, you know, exactly. side lead. Okay, got it. Especially if you're dealing with a young quarterback or, hey, you know, remember when we worked our third down, we worked our third down period. We know if the safety's rotated low, they're actually spinning back into some cover two looks. So be prepared for that, right? Um, Those types of things. And then on the defensive end, it probably works the same way as well. Like, hey, you know, we want to dial up this specific pressure on third and seven. Hey, if we see the back is to the tight end side, we know we got the look we want. 
or the backs to the tight end side. That's not the look we want. Let's change it. We're going to automatically check it to whatever the other blitz the formation look that we have. You know, that's definitely, that's an asset that the pros have. You know, I can speak from the high school level and even at the college level when I was playing, a lot of those adjustments have to happen in between series and drives, right? It's like, oh man, we got burned on jet sweep. Remember when we talked about we're in three and it's jet sweep, we're supposed to blah, 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 blah. Okay, got it. And then you got to hope that your that your players retain enough of that information yeah. in order to be able to execute it. So that that is one thing that's always fascinated me about the NFL and the whole green dot system. Even even the reminders for other like in the huddle, like there will be times like I know in, in Oakland we would go like, "Hey Derek, hey tell Donald Penn like just remember like da 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 da." Like an, an assistant coach, usually my dad, he'd be the only one that would do this, <laughs> but it would be someone who'd go like, "Hey hey, just hey make sure you tell Rodney." Like, hey, he, he doesn't have to rip that. He doesn't have to rip that. Just go 5-0, you know, or yada, yada, yada. Like, and that sometimes would be an in-series adjustment, a stoppage of play where not everyone could come over, you know, those types of things. And again, it's all, really, it's on the coaches to know what to communicate. Because sometimes it's one of those things too, is no information is better than bad information. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you're playing, sometimes you just want to tell the coach, hey, I got it. Like, please stop talking because too much is going on. And so I think that's the balance that some coaches find with employers that, Hey, they like this. They like knowing this. We also in pros, you have the pictures and I know in college, we didn't have the pictures. I don't know what it is now, uh, but it's, that helps as well. Or the surface tablets, you know, right. uh, uh, is the official, the, the Microsoft surface tablets. Yeah. The <laughs> iPads. Um, but again, on those that helps too is, is like mid series. I can be looking at what the last, literally what the last play is as I'm on the sideline going like, boom, Oh shit. There were a bear there. Oh God. Hey, they haven't shown bear before. And then you can talk, 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 talk. And that's a communication aspect. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's like those 18, 15 seconds of like when the ball spotted clocks whining and then just getting the communicated, the, the personnel and the formation and just like all the information that gets passed. Hey, second of four, second of four. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. I think that stuff's so fascinating. And that's the stuff that I love when I see a good play caller, offense or defense, really on top of their shit. And, and that's why I love like a McVay's of the world or, or even Arthur Smith the last couple of years was like changing of tempos, like, cause they just anticipate doing all these things. And I just, I, I love those types of things going like they hit a big play. We're going to go fast, fast, fast. All right. Now we're, we're slowing it down. We're slowing it down, but no one's messing up the formation. The personnel changes. No one's, subbing in and out the running back coach knows not to put in you know the the third down protector on this play because we have this dialed up that usually just shows to me that the whole coaching staff's on the same freaking page when you see a team like the cardinals when, <laughs> when the guys are subbing it out or running into each other and like you can see half the guys know what to do and half the guys don't that's where i i'm a, i'm always a little lower on them even though as much as i love watching Kyler murray and some of their players play but that's that's why i i kind of uh, i was on a show earlier this week where they say do you get horned up for kyle shanahan I got a little ticked off, but it was like, that stuff is fun to watch. Like that's the stuff that it is fun to watch in football. You know, uh, this reminds me that XFL version two or XFL 2.0 or whatever got it right with the headset stuff, because yeah. you're talking, you're not talking to, and this is like, probably honestly, we could probably use headsets in college football and make the game go better it because would. it, it is such a hard sport, especially for the quarterback that it's like, Hey, why don't we just give him the, all the, all the crutches to a certain degree that he needs yeah. because it's like, you're not like these guys aren't, you know, Matt Ryan and, and Dak and all yeah. these top Brady, they're not falling off trees, especially in college. So it's yeah. like, give them everything that we can do and the game will be better. And we won't get, like I said, I'm on the Tuesday podcast. We won't get like 
Penn State running like 60 screens a game and like that's the offense. Like, yeah, whatever. I don't have to get into that again. Yeah. Or or people stealing signals, you know, or that's the other thing. And I know that's part of the game. Like that's part of the gamesmanship of college and high school football is stealing signals and baseball and other sports. Like that's some of the fun too. It's sometimes when you do steal signals the best. Um, but it's 2021. It's like they, they were putting the headsets in the, in, in the quarterbacks in the mid eighties, like the USFL came around and that was like one of their big innovations was putting the headsets in the quarterback helmets. It's like, that was mid eighties. I mean, we, well, it's almost 40 years now that we've been doing this. It's like, we can do it in college now. Okay. Okay. Like if, if the national league is about to get a designated hitter, then college football can have headsets <laughs> and helmets for quarterbacks. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I, I brought up Dak just now. Um, Dak is like your favorite quarterback. Am I wrong about this? I think he is. He really, yeah, because he how he plays is how I wish I could have played. <laughs> like, so yeah. I mean, but so, seriously, like that, like how he plays is what I picture my ideal quarterback. Like that, I think that's why I like him so much. Just everything he does, yeah. So yes, perhaps, yeah, two, so let, let's talk about Dak. Two games in. Uh, they go and they get the win uh, against uh, LA against the Chargers. So they're one on one, tough loss to the Bucks. What have you seen so far from Dak um, that makes you still believe <laughs> that he's a machine? He's that, a he's machine. A, that he's a freaking football machine right now. Uh, someone, someone said, uh, someone in my reply said Dakota Breeze. And I was like, that's kind of what he is at this point in time. Like he, I mean, they, it's shocking how much quick game they run. And usually I'm a guy that hates quick game and I'm like, screw this. Like you're just, this is a crutch. But when you have a quarterback operating that fast and with the talent they have, it's different than what the saints have done the last couple of years, as you know, Seth, like you had Michael Thomas, Kamara, like some nice pieces, but like who was creating, you know, after the catch. Don't get me started about the saints receiving core this year, you know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we probably could if, we, if we're talking about one other thing later, we might get into it. But it's uh, but that's the thing is the, the Cowboys are stacked, like stacked, even with Gallup, Gallup down. It, it's those other two receivers. CD is playing phenomenal. Cooper's they're using Cooper in a different way, which is kind of cool. He's actually blocking, which I, I mean, good for Amari. And like they're using him as the Z now, which I I privately kind of thought that Amari is a Z because you can move him inside and out, move him across the formation. If you're in bunch stacks or in stack formations, you can get him off the ball. Those I, I kind of always had figured him as Z, which got said. Well, no, this is what I'm going to say is that it, it certainly works with him as a Z because secretly Michael Gallup is a hell of an X receiver. Yes. Yes. And that, that, that's what actually with all those guys, they like are the, they are kind of like the prototypes for each. Like Gallup is, like, even yeah, though he's so not the good. best receiver in the world, he is a true X. Like that is an X receiver through and through. CD is a move guy. He's a modern slot guy. That's kind of how I look because he's physical. He runs vertical routes, create after the catch. He blocks. Like that's that's a modern F, a modern slot. So I love that they switched those two around, Amari and CD. And, and then the two tight ends are both plus tight ends. Like they really are. And then the backs, of course. And I just think with, with with what they're doing with Dak last week and week one against the Bucs, they they knew they weren't getting anything done. Zach Martin's out. Vita Vea is a monster. We can't run the ball like we can, but like you know we're going to run a couple times, but we know that's not our bread and butter today. So I love to kind of side to side swing game they're running and all the screens and just kind of get the big bodies of the Bucks moving back and forth, replacing the run game. It, I mean, it was like an old school air raid offense. I mean, it really was <laughs> just going back and forth, back and forth, and then getting the guys moving side to side. And then this week, 
the fact that they're able to go, no, we're pounding the rock this week. And then Dak was just able to kind of play more of a game injury type. Um, the interception was a weird one. I think he kind of in between it, you know. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. tell if he was throwing. I can't over tell the top or he was throwing the over. I think he was throwing. I, the, I think he just missed. At the end of it was the day, the, I did too. I think it was a classic, like you, you know, like you play basketball and it's like, do I bank it or do I go for the go for net? And you kind of don't do either. <laughs> you hit the rim, or maybe I just do that all the time. <laughs> maybe so that's maybe just that's you, why. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah, but uh, but no, but with Dak, it, it's like I mean, he is uh, mentally, he's top three i think i mean he's i mean i could shake that anyway but he's one of the most mentally sharp guys in the entire league he's throwing extremely accurate i'm not worried about his arm strength and i think it's got better already like game two is I, there should be no concerns honestly the only thing i want to see is maybe a couple more deep balls like that's really all i want to see so far in this year but the thing is when you're knife knifing defenses left and right with this kind of stuff who cares and, i mean he's putting field throws out on the money he threw the stop ball to CD Lamb against the Chargers. That was like he like hit CD right in the, as you know, Seth. Like you, you aim outside and stop, so guys can't undercut it. I mean, they freaking pull CD out of it, and it's just like, oh my god! Like just little stuff like that. All those he's taking triples when there's singles there. He's hitting home runs when there's doubles there. If there's only a single there, he's freaking that single is perfect. Like there's no fat in this game right now. It's so much fun to watch watching a guy this smart operate every week. I think the thing that's probably stood out to me most was what I was most concerned about coming into the season, which is how is he going to operate in the pocket if his if his feet aren't all the way under him the way that they were before the injury. And I think it's pretty clear. You can watch like he does not navigate the pocket as explosively from a movement perspective as what he did before the injury. But I think that he's been able to kind of supplement that by getting even more efficient in his process between the years. That was like the the first thing that stood out to me against Tampa Bay was like, oh, this is what the Super Bowl would have looked like if all the wide receivers would have caught the ball for Patrick Mahomes. Because <laughs> it's almost that's what it kind of looked like, like being able to get 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 by all this pressure or be able to work quickly enough to know, like, yeah, we don't like these matchups on the interior or on the edges in terms of their pass rushers versus our pass protectors. So I know that. I'm not even going to bother with the alert. I'm not even going to bother with the second look in the progression. It's either here or here, you know, or I know I've got CD in the short slot. Yeah, I know I've got CD in the slot. He's, he would typically be the third in the progression, but I've got to look at him now because I know I'm not going to have enough time to work all the way yes. through. That's so to your point about that, you know, the Dakota breeze thing, like that's, that's where I think that that corollary really fits is because that's the kind of thing that, you know, we gave a lot of, a lot of credit to breeze for is understanding that as, as you athletically decline, you have to be able to supplement that with your mental process. And that's why, you know, when I left that game against Tampa Bay and watching them against a pretty good coverage unit, um, at least another good coverage performance from the charges, like, well, this guy really might be an MVP if they win enough games, you know, that's, that's how he's playing right now. Yeah, and, I, I, and I, dude, Deontay, that was such a great point about shortcutting reads. That's the next step quarterback play. It, it's you can go one to two to three on everything, one to three to four on everything, and a lot of times it's really one to two, and a lot of times it's really one, <laughs> and then and then it's like, oh shit, if I'm wrong, I gotta go do something. But that's such a great point. Is when you can get to that point where you can just go, hey, I know one's dead, I know two's dead, three is my actual one. 
And then four is now my two. Like that is the next step stop. And that's such a great point that he did. Trevor Lawrence did the same thing on Sunday. That's why I'm excited about him, by the way. But uh, but it's we're at two but, different but, worlds with Trevor right now. I, I know, I know. He did what you know what play and I was I was pretty fired up about. But uh, but no, but that's such a great point, Deontay, is that like that is next level quarterback stuff is when you can just know where the fat in your play is and just cut it out before before the ball's even snapped. You're just you're just operating so much quicker than everybody else. All right. Here's a reference that I just hit me when Deontay said um, the thing about the, the athleticism changing after the injury and having to do different stuff. All right. You guys ready for this? 2002, Matt Mock, LSU quarterback, running quarterback, gets injured, comes back in 2003, is more of a pocket passer. LSU wins the national championship. All right. That is so you talk about the code of breeze all you want. It's the code of mock. Okay, that's who we really <laughs> we're talking about here. And we reset the counter on days without an LSU national championship reference on the podcast back to zero. We went to, like, we went to the original got, one too. Right, that was. I got yeah. three. I can. I can talk. I've seen three in my lifetime. So like, uh, you know, no big deal. Um, no. I thought that. I, I think so. Two things like the the Dak thing against this Chargers defense. Remember week one last year against the Rams playing against Brandon Staley's defense. I mean, we know what Brandon Staley is about and he's not going to give you a lot of stuff down the field. And that was, I remember after watching that game, people were like, oh my God, they didn't score any points. Maybe they only scored like 20. And they actually should have won the game because they got called for a bogus offensive pass interference call on, on Gallup playing X receiver backside of trips. But (laughs) anyways, like, and everyone was like, ah, Dak, what's going on? And you watch the film, it's like, he's he's doing everything you're supposed to do. That defense was very new, obviously very new at the time and very difficult to throw the ball deep on. And you saw it again this week, but he does everything you're supposed to do. I thought he missed Cooper one time. It was a weird play. Cooper just got straight down the field on the sideline. And he actually throws it for a first down over the middle. Yeah. But I thought he went went away from Cooper a little early, but whatever. It's not Cooper had that that would have been. Yeah, he had that out and up. And I know it was it was one of those where it was like you don't want to dog Dak on it because you like you can see him operate so quick and hitting the dig. But it's yeah, like, yeah, ah, but, yeah. <laughs> that, but it was right there. <laughs> but but one of the things is like you know we can talk about missing reads, blah 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 blah. The whole thing it's not about like a one. It's never about a one time thing, and that's why we don't like if if um man I don't know who's uh who's hasn't played very well uh if Zach Wilson who threw, you know, four interceptions, if he had missed that, we would have been like, ah, you know, that's the problem with Zach Wilson. He misses all, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, consistently Dak is hitting those. So we can, we can like be like, all right, well, every quarterback, Brady does it, Breeze did it, you know, Rogers that they're going to miss open receivers. It happens. Um, but like, are you doing it consistently? And I don't think Dak is certainly not doing it consistently. He is, he is getting to the right read all the time. The, the accuracy. You posted that clip of the the ten yard out to Dalton Schultz or the other tight end. Like, oh, yeah. Oh my god, disgusting. And there's no and there's no fat in the drop. It's like clinic tape. It's like one two three gone. One two three hitch gone. And it's just oh, I know, I know. Because there's other guys that are accurate, and then but they'll maybe have a little extra step, or you know they get to the ball late. It's just like I mean we'll talk about one guy in a minute, but it's just. Oh, I, I know he does that stuff. And it's, it's so hard to defend because you're defending the, the entire width of the field, all 53 yards. And it's just, that's hard. I mean, that is gravity. Cause then now it's, 
One guy, everybody's on a string now. If you want to run zone coverage, he's going to find your spot. And if you want to run man against them, then it's like, oh, shoot, we got to guard CD, Amari Cooper, a tight end. Both these tight ends can beat linebackers or safeties. It's Or Tully Pollard on a guy. Like, they just have matchup advantages. So they're just built. They're built to be a real headache for a lot of defenses. I mean, they really are. And, with, and like if Dak is, like you said, Deontay, performing at this level, MVP tier level, and, and that the stats follow and the wins follow it, like it's like, oh, man, it's going to be a really exciting year for them. All right. Um, let's talk about a guy who lost to LSU in a national championship game, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I, I'll i start. So I I, I want to give the, 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 the listeners my – I don't know if this is new. I don't know where on the take scale this is, but Trevor Lawrence plays like a quarterback who knows there is more to life than football. And I, and I compare that to a guy like Peyton Manning, who looks like the only thing that ever matters is football. And like Peyton had this like very almost nervous energy in his drop back, the way he would pat his feet. It was so the way he would all like, his whole body had to go towards target every time he threw the ball three quarters up and like the whole body was going and Trevor is so different that way. It's, I know they both tried tight window throws and Peyton Manning is an elite tight window thrower. Yeah. Like he's unbelievable. Yeah. Right. They're talking about the best quarter, you know, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, but with Trevor, it was like, it's like a lot kind of bigger movements to get to a certain spot. Cause I'm going to throw this ball right here. That's it. And yeah. when it looks good, it's it's out of this world, right? Fortunately, as it looks so good so far in two weeks. Now, I think we're we're about to talk about all the rookies except for Trey Lance, and I think you know we have to remind everyone it's two weeks in. There's so many you know circumstantial things that are going on with all these guys, but we can take a look at the film. We can be like, hey, what's going on uh, with all these guys? And, and again, we're starting with Trevor Lawrence. I'm seeing a guy who is trying all sorts of wilds. It's fun. It's like fun tape to watch because he's trying yeah. throws that a lot of guys are not trying. Problem yeah. execution is F right now. It's literally, it's F. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, you can talk about the offensive line. You can talk about the receivers. He's not putting the ball in the right spots. He's overthrowing everyone. Uh, the, the throws are cool, but they're not getting, they're not, they're not working. So what have you seen it's- on tape from Trevor so far? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it wasn't. It's not perfect, like you said. You, I, at first, I think you're going to say too, and I think we've talked about this before. Is that Trevor Lawrence is kind of like he knows what team he's on, like he, he knows what he can get away with. Uh, uh, and I mean that in the sense that he ain't taking a check down. Like he goes for the throw. And one of uh, why I've always been kind of higher on Darnold than other people was I, I would much rather have a quarterback that is aggressive and is willing to work downfield than a guy that instantly goes to the check down. And seeing Lawrence just always he he takes a third and twelve, he's trying to find one of the three deeper outs on it. Like he's trying to like he's trying to find it, which is so bizarre to me. Like I, I've never seen a rookie quarterback just go like, and not in a bad way, where it's like I only know one route on this, and I'm just we'll talk about a quarterback in a sec that does this. I only know one route on this, and that's where I'm going with it. It's him progressing, but he's like, all right, well there's my over. All right, let's shuffle in the pocket and then let's whip up. 0.001% ball in there. And it's like, okay, I appreciate your aggressiveness. I appreciate the freaking throw you just threw. Check it out. Just check it out. It's, it's what's the classic saying? And every drive with a punt or with a kick, you know, either. Right. Either or, you never go, or like you never go broke taking a profit, right? Like that's, exactly. that's the quarterback Some, coach axiom. around. Sometimes 
it's okay to hit a single. Like, and as someone that always goes, oh, there's they have to hit home runs when there's only doubles out there, or they have to take a triple when there's a It's like sometimes though, it's okay to take a walk. Sometimes it's okay to take a single. You don't have to go for it every single time and go at it. And I've seen him check it down, so I know he has it in him. But right now he's like, I don't give a shit, which is it's crazy fun. It's fun, but it's like I'm glad I'm not coaching him right now because <laughs> it'd be like Boy. it's such a fine balance because you don't want to take it out, but you also want to be like, help yourself out, dude. Now I was like, going to say oh, the thing. The thing I was I'm sorry to cut you off. The thing I'm what? going to say that I was going to say about Lawrence, and obviously it's two games in, so we do have to be we do have to have some concern about sample size. But long term, if you're going to ask me what the issue was having a first-year head coach who kind of seems to be having a difficult time adjusting to the NFL. If you want to talk about like a long-term concern for me, it's do you have a head coach that's not going to feel empowered enough to tell his superstar rookie quarterback, hey, dude, you letting it rip has been great and awesome, and we love the fact that you're confident, but it's time to grow up and, and be a pro quarterback. You can't, you can't make bad plays worse, right? Like you yeah. cannot continually make bad plays worse. Hey, if you're not feeling that great about the throw, if you don't feel good about the progression, let's maybe not try to throw the ball down the sideline, 25 yards down the field. If it's not there, you got great legs. Take the six, your own check down, take the six yards, get out of bounds. Let's try again next time. If it's third and eight and we can't get 15, it's okay. We'll punt and we'll try the next third. Day. Yeah. You just understand third and 12, you get one out of five of those. It, that's a good right. offense. That's exactly. a good offense getting one out of five. Like, hey, dude, you're not getting every single one of them. Right. <laughs> like, like the most actually... elite, the most elite offensive coordinators in the NFL will tell you, like, hey, there are some situations where I might try to call the best play, but I know in the back of my head that we're probably going to lose this down. And that's okay. What I don't want to have happen is tell my quarterback, hey, we got to go get this. And now it's an interception or it's a sack strip because my guy is holding the ball for three and a half seconds trying to find that deep, deep over route or that home run post route. When we know that we, we should probably just check it out on it to the flats. If we if we find a first down because the guy breaks two tackles. Awesome. But otherwise, we want to live to fight another day. Yes, I think yes. one of the issues is so in the Broncos game. You talk about third and 12. I think this was third and like 17 or something like that. And he throws this like you know, deep curl, deep hitch, whatever, at like 18 yards on the money that, you know, the, the hook defender moves just a little inside. And I think he hits chart, like just stationary. And it's like, that's a problem because he's like, oh, well, guess what I just did. And I'm going to do it again. I'm going to try and do it yeah, again. Exactly. Yep. Justifying bad behavior, man. <laughs> and then, yeah. then he's throwing these corner routes and it's like, well, first of all, it, sometimes he's throwing, like I said, his accuracy right now is, it's, it's not good. <laughs> But, yeah, but he's also just do, like, okay, I, I, yeah, I can fit this ball in there. I can fit this ball in here. And then the corn, you're throwing a corner route and the corner is sinking. He's like not even uh, – he doesn't even care about the flat route in front of him. He's sinking, 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 and you're still trying to fit the window, fit the ball in there. And it's like I, – I just – I honestly like I'm, I, I have high hopes for this guy. He yeah. was, you know, one of the, my favorite quarterbacks to watch in college because I think you, you said it, Nate, it's like – there's just a, there's like a, his process of, of it's like spatial awareness is, is really good. And the way he moves and stuff is really good. And so I was like excited. It just, I'm probably more concerned. I think than both of you guys are, I, I really don't. You are the man. I really you're, you're didn't more like concerned what I've me. seen. I, that's the thing is I'm not as down as, uh, as maybe you are on it. I still think, yeah, there's plenty to teach and everything, but I still think it's like, 
the, the I think the one the corner thought you're talking about for me it was I think that was the one Bob Miller got on his arm and he sailed it on the guy mm-hmm. went out of thing. Okay. But on that one, he should have stepped up. And, right. And but and that's hard. You don't know if Bob Miller's going to go freaking inside. I mean, it, that's the, <laughs> that's NFL though. That's the NFL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of freaks out there. Like every week, like that's what sucks about it. It's that you're just putting yourself. It's the process for all of these. That and that's some of these results. Some of it was the rain and all that. I I am not as down. I still think he he does some shit that's just rare. That that's why I'm still so optimistic on him. I just think right now it's two weeks in. He's playing with house's money i think he yeah. is smart enough to know that too he's like this team ain't good he's never gonna say it because he's like i don't think Lawrence, like you said like except he's not one guy to like you're never gonna see him with mike vanderjet missing a kick and then peyton man you should see peyton manning going he effing missed it and then on the radio show that week goes our idiot kicker da, 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 da. you'll never have that instance with trevor lawrence i don't think but it's just so it's gonna be kind of like a weird competitiveness with him like it's just like that's the type of guy he is which I really like, I, I, I just, I, I, I agree with what your concerns are, Seth, but I still just think that there's just so much good still in there. That's like, I, I actually buying more stock in what he's doing because I know I just think the I'll stuff sell you all of mine. I got tons. I'll sell it all. To you. Okay. Hey, if we can get Levinsky Chanel to run a real route and then we can, <laughs> we can and stop giving him 12 targets, like then, then, okay, maybe that'll help out some stuff. But I, I do think those concerns are real, but that's the thing is now is, is week 12. If he's still doing it, then I'll oh, be like, of course, oh, shit. of course. Yeah. And then, but it's like, as of right now, I think it's just more like, he's just like F it and just uncorking some grenades. And hopefully, hopefully he learns that sometimes it's not bad. Just take a little bit of a profit. Even if you want the big gains on all those. Okay. Uh, let's move on to kind of the, to a certain degree, like complete opposite of Trevor Lawrence. And that is New England Patriots quarterback, Matt <laughs> Jones, who. I haven't been impressed with so far, and I because I, I I saw some a lot better tape in Alabama, and he was pushing the ball down the field. It's not like he was taking checkdowns at Alabama, and everyone was running, um, you know, breaking tackles and getting first downs. I mean, yeah, they did throw a lot of bubble screens that went for touchdowns, but whatever. Like in terms of like a drop back passing game, like he was he he was fine. Like he could throw the ball. He made the right decisions, and now you watch him, and you're like, dude, why aren't you seeing this open down the field? Like, are you, like, what's going on with you? Like, I didn't think yeah. you were, I hate to say it, I didn't think you were a coward and you're playing like a coward right now. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I've seen so far from Mac Jones. Uh, what have you seen? It's kind of like with Tua last year where it's like him getting the ball out so quick. Is that a bug or a feature? Like, you know what I mean? Is that a good thing or is that, hey, dude, like you gotta read this play out, man. <laughs> like you gotta, hey, you gotta realize the alert you actually have to hit once in a while. Like or the one, it, it's one of those things where you get reminded that he wasn't a gun heavy RPO offense, and because I see some of this play action stuff, and he, you get, to, he has issues finding it right now because I know that's that's hard turning your back to the defense and getting up. Like that's an understated talent. Dude, they're running non play action under center dropbacks. Yeah. Like he's going from like a five step drop under center. Yeah. I know it's like mostly quick game, but like I was like, oh shit, that's. I, if I if I were if I were putting together what Mac Jones is like game plan, how many screens do they run by the way? Yeah. But uh, if I was putting together their game plan, like I would do no seven step, like just let him operate on a five step schedule because that's what he's used to. That's what that in RPO world, that's all quick game and five step stuff. So I think that's where his clock goes. 
And so now he has to, now he's operating, I think, that half second quicker, and he's not used to it yet. That's being a rookie quarterback. Uh, it's those windows close tighter. That speed's a little different. The air to throw the ball is a little different. Like how much space you have to put in front of your guy. And I think it's, I think I, I'm curious to see over the next couple of se- or next couple of weeks whether there is something with him being under center in the gun, because that is the first thing that's popped to me uh, watching him on film is that when he's under center, it's not the same as when he's operating from the gun. He just does not see it as he should, as he as you would think he would. But then you also remember with the offense he was at Alabama, uh, but no one's creating any explosives either. That that that's the other thing. But yeah, that's all I got. What, what else? Well, I was going to say the the difference is like we we've talked about. Um like being under center and how that's worked for so many different, this wide zone coaching tree. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's not the same what they're doing. It's more of a, a vertical downhill running game and they're not booting him off play action to get those easy flat routes to get these easy completions on intermediate crossers or whatever. Um, so it's, it, that's, that's, that's what I'll say is like, it's tougher. It's a lot tougher. Yeah. This under center, this under center play action game is a lot tougher than, what Jack Goff is running, what what you know Jimmy yeah. runs, and and what it's, Brian Tannehill runs. Yep, and then, yeah, like this version is more like the Titans version than the Rams. Yes, yes. of their play action stuff. Even with a, even with a fullback, I know Deontay's got some stuff with the Titans and their fullback. We even have the fullback in there, and and also just the fakes that are used and the concepts because it's all so much more uh, in breakers where you have to throw in some muck. It's one two. I mean, how many times have we seen Tom Brady do it? flash fake, plant your foot, and freaking whip it in there? And that takes some faith, especially when you're turning your back to the defense. And also they do, they still do the footwork on it, which is hilarious. The, uh, the, the, they do like counter handoff motion with the quarterback on the play fake without a puller. And I, I don't know if that's a rhythm thing. Is that like a Tom Brady? Like I saw Mac, they had Mac Jones doing it and they didn't have a guy pulling. Usually you see the counter fake with a, a puller or, you know, somebody with it and he's doing the counter fake. And I'm very curious. Now I, I want to watch all the Patriots with those fakes because he has to switch the ball twice when he does it. And then he has to grab the ball and throw now I'm like fascinated with the Patriots, like little quirks. Cause now you see a different, we had Tom Brady cams offense last year was a total anomaly, yeah. a total outlier of what they were doing. So now I get to see this operate, this offense operate with another quote unquote drop back quarterback. So I'm like, I, all these little things are like, look a little different when number 12 is not back there uh, doing it with a zero fat and everything looks perfect. So that that's something else I want to see. It's like, they're asking him to do a lot. The run games, I, I posted the clip, the run game, he's fixing guys and, and they're making him do the mic points. Like and mm. for the run game, they're making him do mic points. And I was like, oh boy, they, they just said, hey, you're smart. Here's everything. But like, good luck. That's what it seems like they've done to him so far. They're like, hey, you got to operate with everything. They're taking nothing out. I think they were going for more of the long-term play than how he looks the first couple of weeks. That's my theory anyways. I think that you're right. And, that, and really the only thing I have to add is kind of off of what you started with. And I think it's something we're going to continue to bump up against with these young quarterbacks. They are coming from systems that are built to be quarterback proof. There's not a lot of thought in these offenses that they're coming from. I think that, you know, we sometimes can get caught with the helmet sticker. You know, that's something that obviously people are taught to try to unbias themselves with as often as possible, but it's hard to do when it's Alabama and they've gone so many years of maybe asking their quarterbacks to be like real pro ready NFL quarterbacks to embracing a little bit more of the spread stuff that's going on now. That, that means that you get spread quarterbacks and that's what Tua was coming out of college. That's what Mac Jones is coming out of college. So 
I do think eventually McDaniels will continue to kind of build on what his strengths are. I do think that this year, to your point, is a little bit of, dude, I'm handing you the playbook and you're going to learn this playbook the way I have it written up. Before we do anything, before we make any changes at all, you're going to learn this thing the proper way. And then we can start talking about what you are and aren't comfortable with, which I understand. Yeah, I completely understand because Josh McDaniels has all the job security in the world, right? He doesn't have to think about, okay, I've got to, yep. I've got to watch all the Alabama film from, from the last three years to find every single call that he ever completed and make sure that I check with him and how he feels. No, he's going to be here for a while. And that means that Mac has got to learn Josh McDaniels offense before Josh McDaniels learns Mac Jones's offense. So, you know, those are just going to be kind of the, I think the natural growing pains that we're going to see from this guy for at least, you know, the first half of the season. And I think by the time we get to the second half, you may see a few more uh, like little wrinkles that may fit Mac Jones's game a little bit more naturally. Yep. Yep. And, and, and we've talked, I've already mentioned this kind of saying a couple of times, he's still, there's a couple of times where he does have to get to what is the true number one read or, or, or the deeper portion on some of these concepts. Like I think that's the first step for him is like, Hey dude, just, it's okay. Like, you know, it's okay to trust it a little bit. I think he just has to let it rip a little bit. And I think that he did in the preseason. So I was like, Oh shit, is this guy going to, this guy going to just walk in and just look like this. And then it's like, I think this speed of the game picked up drastically <laughs> getting into the regular season, because I, I think there's a couple of times where he has the, he has the home run play on the, on the concept, but he's going to go for the safer option, which if you have guys that can break tackles and based on what your team is, that's fine. But for a first round quarterback, you want them to start attacking down the field when, when the opportunities are there, you don't have to be a dummy and just do it just cause, but when you find those kind of shots that you can take those shots on, uh, um, he's got to take them. So I think that's the first step more than anything for him. So one of the things that I noticed while watching the him against the dolphins, the dolphins played a lot of cover too. The dolphins we know are a big time man coverage team because they come off the Patriots street and I'm looking it up now. Um, the Dolphins were 26th last year in the rate of cover two that they called. Only 4.3% of their snaps in the regular season were cover two. All and when I watched it, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And then you, yeah. now, now week one, 2021, it's like, whoa, like they're playing a lot. I don't, I don't, I can bring up the numbers, but it's irrelevant. Like, and those were the throws that he missed were like, they were running these like through routes, you know, right up the gut and the mics weren't carrying all the time and, and they were spreading a lot and they were there for the taking. And it is, he did throw one whole shot um, in, in, in my, it might've been the next game, but he definitely threw a cover two whole shot, which is very nice to like Jacoby Myers or something. But it, it's funny how like, now if we're getting a cover two-ish league, quarters, cover two, less cover three, whatever. I just say too high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just blanking it. Like, hey, man, like you, these, and we said this after week one, we made that we were joking with each other and saying like, hey, if you like, everyone's like, oh my God, look at these post routes. Like, uh, you know, Stafford throws the post and Lockett catches the post. And it's like, yeah, well, this is the league now. That's if, it you now. Wanna, you're, if you want to, if you want to, if this is what defenses want to do, get ready for big 12 touchdowns. Like this is what's yep. going to happen. And then I look at Mac Jones and I'm like, if this is what the defense wants to do to you, you got to take advantage of it. And, and then, and like the dolphins, and it was such a, to, I guess to a certain degree, it's a good, great game plan by the dolphins um, because he didn't take advantage of those specific things. Like you got to hit those, those, you know, safety splitting, you know, seam shot through balls, like, or else they have too many guys underneath. 
Yeah, uh, there's there's going to be a play we're going to talk about with Fields, uh, or I'll talk about this. But the step that quarterbacks have to take is okay. You play cover two, Seth. How many times should everyone just kind of go like, oh, take uh, you say say you run curl flats. Oh, just take the over route. You know, just yeah, just pound it. Five yard gains, six yard gains. Just pound it, pound it, pound it. In the NFL, defenses go okay. They're like, okay, we'll we'll do that because you'll fuck up at some point, and that that's what they're betting on. And to punish teams that want to play a safer coverage and go cover two or do that, they're or two man, they're trying to make the quarterback make a hero throw. And, and what because what's what's the weakness in cover two is down the pipe, a deep dig, hole shots, scene like just those are tough throws. Yeah. And that's what they're saying. And but that's the thing is if you're a first round quarterback, you gotta get to that. Otherwise, teams are just gonna go, hey, all right, check it down, bud. Yeah, yeah. check it down. We'll we'll rally and tackle. I bet you one of those, you'll throw high and it'll tip up and we'll get a pick. The Bears did it for years, <laughs> for from what 03 to 2012. Like, I mean, they did it for a decade. They did play this way. The Bucks did it for forever. They are fine just letting you do that meander down the field. It's so funny how defenses have switched back to this way. And, and they're saying, hey, quarterbacks are good. So make them play patient or make them be good. And, and I, I I I that's what Mac Jones has got to learn. That's what all the rookie quarterbacks have to learn. And that's that's so funny talking about him and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is doing that, but yeah. now it's like, no, no, now do what Mac Jones is doing and check it down. <laughs> and, but it's like, and I, I, I'm not scared that Mac Jones can't do it because, like you said, you saw him do a whole. Physically, shot. he can do it. I have no problem with that. He's so, he's so accurate. Like, I mean, generally rare accuracy. Like, at least excellent on the scale, like the old scouting scale. Like, it's, it's uncanny sometimes. He'd be like falling down, and it's just like and the ball just goes right into the running back's hands, and it's like. What the hell? Like, how did that happen? Um, so it's just, hey, take those shots when you can take those shots. Because otherwise, like you said, they're going to just make defense. Defense is just going to make them do that all game. And it's it's going to be a whole bunch of these ugly 17-13 battles for the Patriots this year. It's funny because we were talking to – I remember saying this to um, our friend Justice Mosqueda, who has been on the podcast recently, and just talking because I was like, ah, you know, everything's going back to like cover four and cover two and everyone's going to like, they're playing everyone over the top and stuff. And Justice was like, no, that's good because we're going to see some fucking cool throws. Like we're going to see these whole shots like Justin Herbert week one against Washington. Like that's going to happen. These seam splitting, um, you know, nine balls, uh, seam splitting, safety splitting seams is the words I'm looking for. There we go. (laughs) Well, I think it's also interesting. The timing of this in the NFL is also fascinating to me because we have the old guard of quarterbacks all being kind of moved out, save for Tom Brady, basically. Like, you could not just live in this world against the old guard of quarterbacks who were trained a little bit more conventionally in a way to say, like, hey, we're going to teach you how to identify that that's the coverage you're getting pre-snap. So you don't even have to think about, oh, well, typically I'd hit the over. And then I'd go to the check down. Oh, but now I see it's two safeties high. So now let me see if I have enough time to load up and uncork this post ball. Like those experienced quarterbacks would be able to get to those throws much earlier in the process. And now the ones who are here outside of Brady somehow aren't even physically capable of being able to hit those throws, even if they were to identify it. So that's kind of what's interesting as well as a lot of these younger quarterbacks now are going to have to go through that tough process of a defense daring you. You know, basically it's saying that we'll give you not give you, but we know that the post or the seams are maybe where we're a little bit uh, more vulnerable. But we're banking on the fact that we all run four fives, four fours and four sixes. And you've got to be a grown up and beat us to the spot. 
you know, and that's that's what's going to be interesting to me. I think over the next couple of years is this new crop of quarterbacks gets a little bit more acclimated with an NFL where, you know, they've seen quarters and cover two before at the college level. They just have not seen it be run with this level of speed, you know, speed and disguise and everything. Exactly. And, and, and also it's for years and years and years, or I should say years and years, but like last half decade, you know, everybody being a man or a match version of single high match coverage is really, you're making it, the game became okay. Win on one-on-one. That's, like it, it was fine. Find your best receiver and win a one-on-one or make a good throw or make a play, make 50, 50 balls. That's what defenses wanted you to do. And now we're getting back to this and talked about at the beginning is it coach Chris taught uh, uh, will teach a play. I would say some people will teach a play and they just go one to two to three. It doesn't matter what the coverage is. It's one to two to three. Coach Chris is very coverage dependent. That's why I said he wants always all five options to be like a true option for the quarterback. I would say maybe one quarterback that I was around that ever did that. That was Scotty Tolzien. Um, Russ sure wasn't, but, it, but going, uh, but it's just, but okay, if it's cover two, you go here. This is your one to two. If it's quarters, you go here, one to two. If it's three, you go one to two. If it's a blitz, you go one to two. And it's everyone's different. The one to two is different on all of it. That is kind of what we're getting back to is now these quarterbacks have to learn. It's like, now I'm not just getting single high every single snap and we'll just go into a slot formation and I can tell right away if you're a man or cover three and I'll go from there. Now it's like, what's three, it's six. Are they rotating down late? Is it man? Is it pressure? Is it a simulated pressure? Now we're getting to the grab back. We're getting back into everybody running everything, which is that's where like, I mean, long story short, we're getting back to, that's why now we're going to see some of those hero throws because because that's what, the defenses are now going to be a little more disguisy with what they're doing and, and, and holding stuff. They're getting smarter too at what quarterbacks look at. So it, it's really cool because now the quarterbacks have to be even better <laughs> in a different version of being better, like as opposed to Brady or Breeze or, 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 or any of those older guys that were just knifing and diving, knifing guys up and putting everything on the money and operate quickly. Now it's like, hey, are you willing to go deep? Are you willing to throw those deep dig? Are you willing to have balls to play now? And that's really what's becoming more. Uh, so another thing that happened in that specific um, Mac Jones versus the Dolphins game that kind of leads us to the next quarterback, I think, is there was one play with the Dolphins, and we know the Dolphins under Flores are going to blitz and play cover zero uh, almost as much as anyone in the league as I look up their stats right now, and they were number one in cover zero last year. So, yes, they're going to run a lot of cover zero. And I think there was one play, and this goes back into what we're talking about with Mac being like, hey, dude, you got to take some risk here. They protected with eight. Sorry, well, they protected with seven, and they had a three-receiver route. And, you know, the Dolphins, when they're going to blitz, and when generally when a, cover, a team's going to play quote-unquote cover zero, is you're not blitzing. It's not engage eight. You know what I mean? Like a man in terms it's you're blitzing. And then there's a lot of these read blitzes and guys are popping out. But if you have a, a, a three tech popping out, he's not popping out and running to the pole. Like, you know what I mean? He's popping out. He's five yards. He can take away yeah. a slant, like whatever. Um, yeah. So they protect with a whole bunch of players and then they get, now they can, they're safe. And they can, instead of having, oh, we're, oh, they want to blitz? No, no problem. We're going to get five guys out on the ride. And now we can pick and choose. It's like, no, we're going to protect. We're not going to have a free rusher. Yep. And they can get this, this kind of deep over post route from the slot. And Mac Jones should have hit it, should have been a big play. He does do it. I don't even remember what the re result was. But it reminded me of what 
Matt Nagy is kind of doing with Justin Fields and saying, hey, I don't have to be this spread, spread, spread Patrick Mahomes offense. I can be like, hey, I can kind of, I don't have to be what I became last year. But I can be a, I could be, I could run Justin Fields offense. And I will say that I didn't watch the Dalton throws. I just watched the the field snap. So maybe he's doing with Dalton too, and I'm just an idiot. But like, you're getting these heavy protection. Me and Deontay's favorite play, 989 doubles. Throw the ball down the field. Throw the one-on-one down the field. And then, you know, you're going to make a play. You're super accurate. You can get get the ball there. They're running, you know, Dusty. They're running this. Like, it's like, it's like you're keeping it so simple for fields. Whereas you know, the other guys are having, like, tougher times. You know, Josh McDaniels, long-time NFL OC, having a tough time figuring it out with Mac Jones, like you said. And then, you know, Trevor Lawrence kind of doing the same thing. You've talked about this before in the Schottenheimer. I know he's just a passing in corner, but he's kind of a grab bag type of guy on offense. And that's not super easy for a, for a quarterback with fields. It's like Nagy is like, this is my offense, man. I don't, I'm, I love what he did. Uh, and it wasn't perfect. And, you know, some throws were, were not great, but you know, throwing sale, he's throwing nine eight nine. He's throwing some good stuff, and I'm I, I, I'm impressed. And I think Fields will figure it out. And I'm 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 excited to see where this offense goes. I no, I agree. It's that is what my what I kind of grew up with with my dad's offenses was wadded up, touchdown, the checkdown. Yep. And I mean that was the that was the Vikings offense for years. When you have Randy Moss as one of your receivers and Dante Culpepper able to throw at seventy five yards, helps to be able to do that. But uh, but Fields, I mean, throws a beautiful deep ball. It makes sense. It, it this was watching this past week especially. It wasn't a. This, it was I watched the Bears' offense and I wasn't like, oh, the scheme sucks. It was the ex- yeah. if a bad play happened, it was the execution yes. sucked. It was the the center is awful, god awful. The center is so bad, unbelievably bad. I, I refuse to learn his name. Number sixty seven. He is really really bad, guys. Like he messed up three plays just because he didn't snap the ball on at home at home with his quarterback going, it's <laughs> clapping his ass off. They had a wide open touchdown in the low red zone. Uh, uh, Fields had to scramble and then they took a false start or, or a delay a game or whatever it was. The center just didn't snap it. Like he just like sat there with his head, like he has his head down and just like wouldn't snap. It was, and he did. This was an issue in the preseason too. Like yes, they had snap issues all preseason as well. It's, it's ridiculous. I, I cannot, it's really bad. it bothers me that there is a professional football team that continues to have this issue. It, it's, it's, it's so bad. And it just show it goes to show how important a good center is because the the thing from the preseason when I was, I, I was so high on fields, even from the preseason, I was like, all right, this dude is exactly how he looked at Ohio state. Oh, he's super accurate. He's can create plays and he's super smart his eyes are great on every play one to two to three he had the one uh, uh yesterday or i'm sorry on sunday um the ball ended up kind of like sailing on a check down he kind of got was getting tackled and sailed you watch his eyes on that play it's perfect he everybody's got covered across the board he's trying to find his check down the check down the running back hung too long in protection and didn't get out so he couldn't find him and then he finds him and he's getting tackled and he, and he sails the ball. It looks ugly, but the process for it was great. And it's like that. And, and even in the preseason, they were getting blitz and five man. They still, their five man protection is like, Oh my God, it's just, everyone is a nightmare. <laughs> but the, the, in, in August, everyone's getting off fields. You got his helmet taken off. Oh, he should adjust there. Well, I mean, it's NFL center who has starts under it. And like, how the hell does he not see these simple looks fields? 
you could tell said, I'm done with that. I'm done worried about the center pointing where we're pointing. And he adjusted the protection. And they ended up, and again, the center didn't snap the ball on this one. They ended up, I think they took it away a game or something. But um, it was a pressure. It was a slot pressure. I can't believe Fields saw it. It wasn't an obvious look. The safety was rotated all the way to the opposite side. They, the Bengals disguised it really well. And Fields pointed it out and shifted the five-man protection to slide up to the slot pressure. And it, it's a no play, so no one kind of really remembers it. And it was like, oh, my God, like, this is the second game he already learned from August that now he's like, no, I'm taking control of this protection. Like, screw you. You're done getting my head taken off. And he did it on a look. And at first when I saw it during the game, I was like, oh, it's probably an easy look. Cap, cap slot, you know, like easy, you know, field pressure. No, it wasn't. It was not. And so it was like, oh, God, oh, baby. <laughs> so if if this, if Navy is making it simpler where he's not just stealing, you know, a PG-13 or a Diet Coke version of Andy Reid stuff, and it's still instead just going like, hey, you're good at this stuff. Let's just do it. It's so much more vertical shit. It's wide cross. It's 99. Dude. Play. It's it's good. It's good football. It's just good football plays. Let's not go crazy and do all these gimmicky shit like he's done the last couple of years with Trubisky. All this one by three stuff with no receivers and a tight end. It's like, no, let's just, let's just get in here. We have an awesome running back and let's just go play action. Let's go vertical. And we have a guy that can – those play action plays too – having a quarterback that can create and just be their own check down that helps too. Like he, he creates another check down on the play, even if it's a pressure and it's just, I know I'm, I'm super excited about it. Trey Henderson <laughs> flew <laughs> off of him on like the third down play that, that sealed the game. That's oh, a sack. Like, yeah, it should have been a sack. I mean, easily a sack. And that's what Man. you're, that's, that's the bonus you're getting from this guy yeah. who, who, yeah, I understand it didn't look amazing. Some throws were mm-hmm. off, but like, who cares? Like, Matt Nagy is my favorite <laughs> office coordinator now of all time. So we're rolling with the Bears now forever. Uh, okay. Uh, last, last, we got to get here. Last uh, rookie quarterback. Of course, Trey Lance hasn't really played. So last rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson. My one thing about Wilson is, yes, I, I understand that um, uh, the, the interception is not good. It's not good. The offensive line is it's not the, it's really right. the whole thing is not good and it's like uh, i'm not i'm not i was never a huge zach wilson guy but i also don't want to take a victory lap already because yeah it's bad it's bad yeah the whole thing was bad i, I mean and it was a tough ass especially this past week tough ass defense to go against <laughs> they're gonna punish you if you miss anything and much less the the first and second in my notes i say the first and second air, interceptions i can understand Okay, the first one, it was squeezed. They had a good coverage on it. It is what it is. You wish he got off it, but really there was no other throw on it. The second one, he actually throws a good ball. Uh, Corey Davis, it, it just hits, tips off his yeah. hands. Would I want him to throw it? Probably not <laughs> with three guys squeezed all around it. Throws a good ball on it. The third and fourth ones were atrocious. Uh, like uh, the, the third one was just plain bad, and it's – so that's what you said. I'm not like, I'm not like saying like, oh, damn, Zach Wilson, because he honestly made two throws after he did all that bad stuff. He had two throws that were like one percenter throws. And it was just like, oh, shit, you still have that arm talent. I know. Um, I know. Yeah. He just, he just needs to anticipate. He, he does. His drops are too long right now. He kind of has the Drew Locke issue where he has that extra step in his drop where he does the, he does the false step and then he drops and he has arm talent where he can get away with it a little bit. But now when you play a defense like the Patriots, they're so aggressive and so we're jumping everything. 
that it hurts because he ends up late on some of these throws. And like I said, he has the arm talent, but guess what? That arm talent can only get you so far. Good defenses are going to punish you if you're late. Good corners are going to punish you if you're late. And I just thought like he just that just kind of kept kept cropping up. The third down one where he, he just sails the corner. I don't know what the hell happened. Like it was short. He's like late on the throw, and then he tries this, and then he just, and then he like went BYU, and he's like, "Oh my god, I'll win a jump ball," yeah. you know? Like he like kind of reverted back to those bad habits. And but man, he, I mean, he makes some awesome throws. But it's just, I think that's the first thing he's gonna have to fix is he has to take out that little extra hiccup in his in his in his dropbacks, and he also, I think, game plan he plays really messed with his head a little bit. Well, I think to me, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was going to say, it's just, I think newer plays, he's not used to. I, I think he's got to get used to what an NFL playbook is and the fact that how much shifts week in, week out. Because there, there are some plays where you can tell he's guessing on routes, where his eye, he's looking up and he's like, I think I got an over route here. Yes, there he is. And then you'll throw it. And it's, he just has to cut out that little half second of pause that he has right now. Well, to me, you know, to your point, I think my point is kind of, a carry carrying on from where you were at. Like the thing that when I was watching the interception specifically, um, there's some footwork issues there. But to me, when you look at like from a processing perspective, he's almost robotic in how he's trying to work through the progression. Like the first one, it's on play action. They're kind of running this dagger concept. So you've got these double in routes and you can tell that all throughout training camp, he was told by his offense coordinator, hey, your wide receivers are going to give you information here. They're going to tell you if it's zone or man. If it's zone, that first in route is going to sit right over the ball at yep. 15 yards, oh, and you're yeah. going to drill it in there. You know, and then he so he has his back turned, so he's hoping that his wide receivers get good intel. The wide receiver gets bad intel. He thinks it's zone, so he sits with the corner on his back, and Zach's yep. like, hey, dude, I gotta, I'm trusting you here, okay? Yeah. If you sit down, that tells me I got to throw this ball right here. So that's like one of those things like, all right, the, the more time you spend in the offense, that'll probably go away. Yeah. You know, at least you'd hope that's a that's a pretty easy fix. The interception on, you know, that kind of grazed ball through Corey Davis's hands like the process was good. The clear out route yeah. took a minute. So Zach waits. I'm going to wait until that, that corner route gets out of the way and then I'll get to the over route. And as soon as the corner clears, boom, here comes the over route. The only issue with that is, again, a rookie issue throughout college. You can keep rolling to your right and just fire the ball. And nine times out of ten, you're probably fine. fine. In the NFL, that little tail on the ball as you're rolling to your right, when it starts to rise and go away from the receiver, that's what happens. Because your receiver, who's been in the pros for a while, is expecting the ball to be in a certain spot. So now that little grace through his hands turns into an interception. And I think that from there, you could kind of see that that really rattled his process mentally because the third pick, which is on a snag concept, every quarterback's run snags since they were in high school. You know, it's easy. You can see it in seven on seven every day. You can go to a high school and see it in seven on seven. And you can see, again, good pro. I think a pretty decent process. Hey, it's man. I'm going to check the flat route. Okay, they got the flat route covered. So I'm just going to throw the corner because, again, that's all you've been trained to do when you see man against this concept. And you can kind of see it because there's no velocity on the ball that as he throws it, he's like, oh, shit, they yeah. covered it. You know, <laughs> this was wrong. like it's me and Madden. Like I hit the button and I see that it's actually covered. So now it's a touch pass instead of a bullet. I'm like, no, no, no. Like if I take my, my finger off the button, it's going to take my throwback. Like you can kind of see that process with it kind of hanging in the air. 
And then the fourth one, which is obviously the worst one, I think that was very clearly like, I just don't even really know what I'm looking at right no. now. Like, no, they've been showing me cover one. They show me cover one all game. And now all of a sudden it's drop eight too deep. Like, and we're trying to run this sale concept. Yeah. Nobody told me that you can do this in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. I thought I looked that, behind at BYU, you know? And, yeah, that was, uh, that this worked against New Mexico. Right, exactly. <laughs> that, yes, that, that was, that was very Texas much a, uh, fuck it. <laughs> I want yep. I'm gonna try to throw I'm gonna throw this ball somewhere between the clear out and the sale route. And one of you guys gotta go be a pro and make this play for me. Like that yep. was very much a I don't even know what I'm looking at right now. I'm just gonna put it up, you know. So I think that a lot of this stuff will be cleaned up A by him continuing to work on his feet, his hips, yep. getting more balanced on his throws. And then that obviously is gonna help when you talk about like working through the progression, getting your body physically in positions to work through the progression so you can get to the throws you need to get to as they come open. Yep. And I thought, you know, one of the things why he looked, what probably why he looked kind of so good in the preseason was exactly what both of you guys are talking about, where it's like, you knew what you were getting. And he didn't have to, it was just like, everything was like, oh yeah, this is exactly what we, this is what I saw for three, the past three days in practice. And then bang, 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 let me hit the dig to Corey Davis. Like, or like the, you know, the dagger at the Corey Davis. And yeah. it's like, now, hey man, here comes the real hey. football and things <laughs> are changing and it's tough. It's tough, tough sport to play. It really is. Um, okay, before we get on to our, our next topic, I just want to remind you guys that the Too High Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps you advance your money moves buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Okay, I uh, wanted to talk about the Rams offense because all I want to do is talk about the Rams offense and me and Deontay uh, spoke for lengths uh, a long time about it on the Tuesday podcast, but we have you on. We want to know your thoughts. Uh, what's going on with the Stafford McVeigh connection. It's uh, I mean, the theme of my whole, my whole appearance today is, Hey, hitting home runs when there's doubles. Mm. <laughs> that's what Stafford, that's what Stafford brings. Even not even just the big, big shot plays that we've talked about, you know, against the bears and everything like that. He had one against the Bears. It was a third and long. And on the play, it was a cross-field progression. He hits the backside dig on it. And on it, that's, like that's the exact play I referenced on the Tuesday show. <laughs> really? And that, yes, that, it's that, that exact play. That is the difference between Matthew Stafford and 90% of the quarterbacks, I'll say, mm -hmm. is or the tier of Stafford's in. Right. Is he got to the dig and got the first down, where I would say every other quarterback would stay on that side of the field and check it down. It would have been a six yard gain. And we would talk about, Oh, good job, Trevor Lawrence. You know, everything we want Trevor Lawrence to do. <laughs> Stafford though, like this was actually a fine throw. It wasn't like what we're talking about with Trevor squeezing it in tight windows. It was like, no, he beat the safety rips this dig. And it's like, that's the difference of Matthew Stafford is taking that and getting a 15 yard gain when most other quarterbacks would have taken the five yard gain. And those it's just one play. But those add up over a game, over a series, over a freaking season. And that's the Mahomes effect. Like Mahomes, yeah, he does the flashy throws. But what Mahomes does is also gets you 15 yards when everyone else gets two. Gets you a touchdown when everyone else gets a first down. It's like that's what Mahomes does just over and over and over. But with, with, with that Rams offense, it's, it's a lot of the same. 
But the but the fact that they're getting to the runs from the gun and tying it in, that's really intriguing. Seth and I have talked about this a little bit in, in our chat. Is I, I think that's kind of I think that's probably the most interesting tweak I've seen so far. And what's so funny is as exciting as Stafford is and all that is actually what they're kind of tying everything else in. And like they're just running inside zone out of a three by one, nothing crazy, uh, but with a bubble, they abused it against the Bears. But then they're getting into, and I'm becoming a meme of my, myself referring to this play, but getting to the stuff like the wineback play. Um, and, and they last two years, this is a big difference. Last two years, they did this under center. This last two weeks, they did it from the gun and they attached it and they made the formation look more like their gun formations. And I just think that's the most, that's the most obvious tweak of having Stafford in there. And I mean, really, just the passing concepts were the same. It's it's stick, stick nod. Yeah, they're not doing it. like it's the McVeigh offense, but it's yep. just run at at a, the execution a higher like, level. So much better. It's, you know, you got have you, ever, you guys seen uh, Mad Max Fury Road? You know, I don't know if you guys, but there's a scene in it where they're like, "Hey, we need more like the the proud boy or not proud boy, proud like, boy no, yeah. the uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, whatever uh, whatever the, the guys are well, lost yeah. boys, whatever they're called." And he's on the car and he just starts spitting gas into the engine. He's spitting gas. That's what Stafford is. Not a proud boy. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Uh, what, I can't remember the name. I've seen that movie a hundred times, but I can't remember what they're called. Uh, but anyways, they, but like him spitting the gas into the engine and just also the car just zooming forward. That's what Stafford is for this offense. It's like they already, last year we saw what this offense is like maxed out with no real help coming along with golf. And so the passing game is mid. And then the run game was, you know, top 10-ish, 8, 9, 10-ish. Fine. When you have a world, world-class world defense, that's fine to win that way. When you expect the defense to regress, which they have, uh, the offense, like, needs to take a step forward. And that's what Stafford just doing the same shit they're doing, just with a couple yeah. tweaks, Stafford's going to get there. And, and it's pretty cool to watch. Uh, two things. Uh, war boys. War boys. <laughs> I looked it up, so I, I can't really thank you them for that. The other thing is, and me and Deontay said this on Tuesday, was when you look at the interception against the Colts, when he just overthrows, you know, you got that same. It's kind of like the same. It might have been now that I'm thinking about it. It might be the same concept that you're just talking about on the third and 10 against yeah. the Bears, where he's waiting and he hits Woods on the deep end. But this time, I think it's Cup on the deep end. And he overthrows him. And it's a tight window. Hell, a tight window throw. He overthrows yeah. him, gets picked. And what we both of us said was, you know, that, that's, that's like, we're, we're remember, like, this is third contract Stafford. This isn't a guy like we know who Stafford is at this point. Yeah. So it's like the, the question is, are we going to get games where that doesn't just happen once, but it happens three times? Like, uh, do you see that? Like, I mean, we don't know. I mean, you're projecting the future, but yeah. like, is, there, is that something that you're worried about a bit? Um. Yeah, a little because sometimes Stafford can have that where it's you appreciate that kind of gunslinger in him, and trust me, their their two minute operation is going to be so much better than it was the last three seasons with Goff. It's just by default, just having Stafford against basic coverages, he's going to whip that he's going to whip that bitch in there all the time. And but that is the negative of Stafford is he can go on a heat check and and, and not come off of it. Like he trusts his arm for better or for worse, and. Yeah, of course, there's going to be a game at some point this year where he throws like back-to-back picks and they're out of the game and they go down two scores and that's the game. It's going to happen. That is what you live with with Stafford. What were you saying? Well, I was just say, but, but, but the big difference is there have been games like that where Jared Goff was the quarterback and it's over 
the game is over at that time. Yeah. First quarter, you know, you know, midway through second quarter, the game is over. And we've seen these 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 games where uh, I think Stafford, uh, sorry, I think Goff has over the past like since his time in in uh, with McVay, I think there's a game where he has like 70 dropbacks. And guess what? They lost that game. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Uh, so like this is this is really one of the issues is like like when that happens, Stafford will probably be able to 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 figure it out, and you can come back other unlike what you did with um with uh, with golf. Okay, before we get on to the last two um, uh, topics, we want to we want to hit on uh, one of our new sponsors for the Too High Podcast is of course Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate clothing brand out of Indianapolis, incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Homefield is in the middle of big new Saturday season two, where they launch a new school collection every Saturday at noon Eastern for 16 straight weeks. So they just did Georgia, North Carolina, Florida. Today they did a very mini uh, St. Louis, St. Louis Billikens drop today. And then of course this weekend is USC uh, just for Deontay. Um, go to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code PFF to get 15% off your first purchase. Again, that's homefieldapparel.com. Promo code PFF to get 15% off your first purchase. Okay, uh, last two things we want to talk about. Uh, let's start with Carolina's defense that has been very, very good. Of course, I haven't really played against an offensive line worth anything. I, I look, I'm like I'm a Carolina hater, so I'm that's my caveat here. But you two both noticed something that they were doing on defense. And Deontay, you are writing about it. Of course, you can go on pff.com and find me and Deontay's writing. <laughs> uh, sign up for Edge and sign up for um, uh, PFF Elite for all your fantasy stuff. Deontay, what did you see? And what, what did both, both of you see uh, from the Panthers defense? Well, I think I'll, I'll start first. The first thing um, kind of goes back to what we talked about on uh, Monday or on the episode that came out on Tuesday, which is like all the different worlds that the saints have to live in right now, because they don't have wide receivers that can separate. So because it's necessary for them to get Alvin Kamara out in the route, there's really only so many things that they can do from a protection um, perspective. So the first thing is what we talked about on Tuesday, which was them bringing in 11 personnel, but it's special 11 because it's a sixth offensive lineman as well as a tight end. So they can run some form of a six man protection and get Kamara out. So, right. That's like the absolute safest thing that they can do. And that's usually when they're trying to push the ball down the field a little bit more Then they have like their regular 11 stuff. And this is where they started bumping into problems against Phil snow and the Panthers. So Phil snow being a smart defensive coordinator knows, Hey, their best receiving threat is the guy in the backfield. They're not going to waste him in the protection. So they started getting into these double mug looks, you know, and the issue becomes, because now all of these offenses are running with these tight splits. Now you can start messing with the safety rotation in a way that makes it really difficult for you to work your protection properly. So they were able to just scheme up a bunch of unblocked pressure without it coming at the cost of having Alvin Kamara out in the flat or on a check down uncovered. Knowing that, hey, if we show pressure a certain way and we bring the safety down, they're probably gonna, they're probably gonna slide the center to the strong side of the formation away from where they're releasing Kamara and those two linemen got to take the two most dangerous. Well, how the hell do you identify who the two most dangerous are? If there's a guy inside and outside of you as the guard and the tackle, they have four guys walked up on the weak side edge, knowing that that's where they're trying to manipulate the protection anyways. And you could see it kind of throughout the game. So the first clip they try it, Jameis avoids the pressure and tries to dump it off to Kamara 
and it ends up becoming like a third and short or it might have been an incomplete. But what you see in Teron Armstead is he's working like, okay, most dangerous. Step to the inside guy. I think the guard's going to help me there. So I'm going to come back to the edge. Oh shit, the guard didn't help me. Now we got B gap pressure. So you kind of log that, you kind of log that in your head. And then they come back to that same look in the fourth quarter. And then you see Armstead saying, ah, I saw this before. I'm going to take the B gap pressure. You're not going to get me twice. He does that, but they cover the pass well because they're only bringing three. So now you've got unblocked edge pressure. Jameis is looking through his progression, nothing there, takes the sack. And then you have what they did to end the first half in that two-minute drill where they ran the same pressure track three times in a row. Unbelievable. That, they ran, so they bring four from a side, right? So the idea is you've got one guy in the A-gap, one guy in the B-gap, one guy in the C, and one guy off the edge. And what you're doing with the A-gap pressure is he presses through the A-gap he's lined up in into the opposite A. So he's trying to take – if the center turns to him, he's going to take the center with him. And everybody else is slanting inside. So you're almost guaranteeing that you're going to get a free rusher if you release the back. The Saints are trying to protect on it, so they leave Kamara in. But the one thing I noticed that I really like from um, Jeremy Chin, who was a guy mugged up in the A-gap, was the second he saw Kamara step to him, he was like, I know what to do. Instead of pressing into the opposite A, I'm just going to missile into Kamara. So that way, if Jameis tries to step opposite of where Chin is going, he's going to run himself into unblocked pressure off the edge. I'm going to occupy the back. So now you get this edge rusher coming free. Again, Kamara sees that, and you log it, right? You log that rep in your head. Hey, the unblocked edge pressure came. So instead of, instead of going through my true scan, A-gap to the edge, if I see this look and they bring all four, I'm just going to go to the edge because I know that's where we're vulnerable. Again, now that leaves chin unblocked, and now you get pressure uh, on on Winston, and he throws that into half interception. So it was, it was just like a really interesting chess match, you know. Nate, I know that you you spent a lot of time on social media, kind of talking to people about the way that the progression, not that the protection, not only how it functions, but why it matters as much as it does for a quarterback. So that was the one thing that stood out to me that I was kind of blown away by that they were able to get unblocked pressure that damn easily. Maybe oh, you do spend a lot of time on social media. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's your, my full-time job now. It's awesome. The, uh, the, the, those that one that where I think Winston threw the pick on was freaking evil because they held it. And that's where the condensed splits comes in is you, you, if you're in condensed splits, those safeties can tie in. The linebackers don't have to be widened out. Like they, everything's in there. You can hold those looks a lot longer. They did a really, really good job of holding the look. Um, the one, the one I, I want to talk about is we would say that uh, a defense is blitzing the back because mm-hmm. in six man protection, you're, you're building three man sides on each side, three offensive linemen, two offensive linemen, the running back, and you're blitzing the back. You're bringing four against your three. And it's, you're really putting it on the back and putting on the line to be right, especially the center. And with, with the one uh, right before the half, uh, well, one of the ones right before the half, they held the look real long. So they had two DBs over two eligible receiver side uh, to the boundary side where the blitz came. To me as a quarterback, I would look at that and go, oh, oh, okay, this guy has to drop out. Oh, I'm sorry. There's three over there. There's a receiver, a tight end, and the running back. Kamara was off shifted to the right. They had three defenders. So they had three, four, three, including the guy in the A-gap. So it was like, in my head, I'd be like, that guy in the A-gap is covering the back. I do not have to worry about all this shit going on. Like if one guy at the safety counts, there's no way they bring in like yada, yada, yada. The, the math in my head checked out What the center has to do in that. And this is really teaching point, especially double A got looks. Cause like the point you bring, 
where guys are picking the center or crossing the center's face or doing anything like that is get back is mm. not, you're not, you're not sliding and turning your shoulders. It's just get back. It's like, yeah, I'm going to aim left, but if I get back, they'll fall into me. And, and when they fall into me, then, okay, we can protect it. Rodney Hudson is one of the best at it. And he's brought it to the Cardinals now, which has helped them out a lot, even though they do a whole lot of bullshit. <laughs> but <laughs> it, protect, it protects the center from having to guess, right? Now you don't have to correct. guess. Even if you're wrong, you can yep. give your you can buy yourself that extra beat saying, okay, I'm looking this way, but I'm losing ground. So now this guy who's coming from the opposite in my blind side, like I can yep. at least give some kind of half body presence, right? I can help and, and my guard even, out a second. Even if that one he got chin and, and, and chin comes in, even if it's like not a good angle, at least I can shove him and right. kind of like wad it up and Winston moves. And we're going downfield anyway. So Winston has that extra half second to move in the pocket and get the ball off. And when they when they blitz it back on that uh, in a six-man protection or five-man protection, even seven-man, is the three-man, four-man slide is going to work away from the backside by standard rule unless you change it. So the defense knows that. They go, okay, by the way, having Shaq Thompson as one of these A-gap guys, by the way, unlocks everything. Yeah, it's he's, been, he's been it's awesome. He has been awesome. He has yeah. been awesome. He's been one of the best players in the league. Uh, dead, dead serious, best defensive players in the league. I like he has been in that a gap and then he's flying out covering dicks and he's flying out covering these deep routes. And it's like having a guy that can do that, like Erlacher and Lance Briggs were able to do for years and years and years. He's not that same type of player They're built different, but that ability to do the same thing. Oh, it messes with offenses so much, but uh, going back to the point, the, uh, the same center Ruiz, he knows he has to, He's a, a young, a young okay. center, like you talked about Rodney Hudson. Yes. Ruiz obviously played guard last year. Guard. He played center at Michigan, but he played guard last year. And now mm-hmm. he's having to take over from Nick Easton. Uh, uh, sorry, Nick Easton. From Eric McCoy. <laughs> I keep doing that. Every podcast, I'm going to do that. <laughs> That's uh, from Eric McCoy. So, yeah, anyways. When Marquise Colson was out there, you know. Like, <laughs> 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 but, 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 yeah, exactly. They're taking advantage of him going by his standard rules. He, he wasn't expecting this year to play center. We got McCoy right here. McCoy is like, might be a Pro Bowl center. And <laughs> so he's, he's not worried about it. He's like, hey, I did my job. I'm sliding right. left. I got Shaq Thompson right here. But Shaq dropped out and covered the tight end on the opposite side. So they bring in, they're blitzing forward to the backside. And like you said, Kamara has to pick. Yeah, you would hope he goes inside out. But like you said, it's the human element. Right before, they they changed it up. They changed the look up on him. That is, it, it's so, so hard to get that right every single time, especially with a defense that doesn't just bring one look out of it. When they have a whole package of pressures. Oh, they fooled J- James later when they dropped everybody out. Yes. They, they, yeah, they had Shaq kind of like shadow in the back, and then you know, he dropped out, but then that was it. Uh, and and James got fooled. He, he ended up tucking and running. And like, but that's what it does. It makes the quarterbacks go just that they have to glance. They quarterbacks want to keep their eyes downfield. He catches a snap, he has to glance, he has to go, is everything okay? Okay, okay. Now now I can drop back because if that's in the back of your mind, it's hard to operate fast. But uh yeah, it's great on the Panthers. I want to see if they can continue this and because uh, now it's on film. Now offensive game plans are gonna package it and go hey when they do this they're blitzing the backside so slide it full slide it or i want to see what the next step is because that's the fun chess match for this type of stuff. well excitingly for panthers fans they're playing houston on thursday and then they could be three and oh they could legitimately be three uh, the, the other thing i'll say about the panthers that is very cool you talk about shaq thompson before playing at a high level their two inside linebackers were seven and four uh, sorry what is he yes. was nine no he was seven yeah we're seven Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
that's kind of cool as fuck. Yeah. It's definitely an elite aesthetic. That is got unbelievable. Shaq Thompson got single digits again, and all of a sudden he just got unlocked. He was yeah. like, oh, that's right, I'm fast. <laughs> and you have, you have J.C. Horn wearing eight on the outside. Like, they are building the coolest-looking defense, at least. Yep. I don't know if it'll, you know the play in the field will sustain, but, like, the coolest-looking defense. Hey, last thing. Brian Burns has got the Spider-Man celebration oh down. Like, oh, I know. So it's like, they, I know, they're, they like, they're acting like they're a good defense, at least. Like, you know, they, they have the persona so far. So let's see if they continue it. Uh, okay, so last thing, um, and Deontay, you are writing about this, but um, so people can go on the website, again, pff.com, and find it. But uh, Deontay, you want to talk about a little bit about the Titans 12 personnel. Yes, this is super into the weeds, um, but I did find <laughs> it interesting. This is definitely in the weeds. Um, so, you know, when we talk about, you know, when people talk about, like, leaving this offseason and what the differences are going to be for Tennessee Losing Janu Smith, right? I think a lot of people kind of talk. Oh, about, yeah, oh, everyone we'll was be... talking. That's everyone was talking about that, except for right, yeah. our podcast and Nate's podcast. Basically, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I told you I exist in the chat almost exclusively, so whatever we see is important is the only <laughs> thing that's important to me. <laughs> but when you talk about like, okay, Janu Smith and Corey Davis are going, you add Julio Jones. Well, what's really going to be lost within the offense? Um, and I do think you know, if you watch them at least from the past week, you probably think like, oh, this is about the same, right? It's downhill runs. It's play action throws. That's all that they've been doing when they've been successful. That's all I'm seeing. But the thing that I'm finding really interesting now is, and this is something that I wrote about right before the season, is how teams are using 12 personnel because it really matters when you start talking about tying the downhill run game into the play action game. So what they were under Arthur Smith when they had Jonu Smith was they'd get into 12 personnel in terms of body types, but they like to use it to create these two back sets. Right. And in coaching terms, you'll hear a lot of defensive coach say it's 12, make 21 or 12, make 11, meaning the bodies are X, but they're using them in Y fashion. Right. Because that changes the way you think about defending whatever offense that you're seeing. So for the last three years, when they had Smith, you know, when this offense really kind of grew into what it's been, they've used these 12 personnel bodies to create two X sets more than anybody in the league. And that was interesting to me when I looked at their like run concept frequency, it was to run outside zone, obviously makes a lot of sense given who was calling the plays there. But then their second concept was like split zone again, makes a lot of sense. And then you have duo. So what you have is these counter punches for what you want to do in the run game. We can hit you on the edge, you know, then we can run split zone. So now if you're starting to flow too hard, you got to honor this cutback. And now when we've got you playing flat footed, we're going to run duo at you with the biggest running back that exists on the planet. <laughs> right. And, and the second that your running back goes to fit this a gap. Now I'm taking this 260 pound ass and he's going to go run down your corner and you have a great time with that. So what that again, so what that continues to do is what move defensive players closer to the line of scrimmage. And now you've got your Corey Davis on those drift routes. Now you've got your AJ Brown on those drift routes. You've got those overs. You've got Johnny Smith on Y leak, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all of the, all of these explosives are able to come out of that. Now that they don't have a true like inline real, like letter Y tight end, the way that we think about it conventionally, they're basically just using their tight ends as like sixth and seventh offensive linemen which works, you know, on a certain level, at least it worked last week against Seattle, right? What they were doing is putting both tight ends on the same side. You've talked about it, right? The hip slot formation, you know, 
So proud you gave both guys I'm so right proud next of to you right now. I'm both so guys proud next of you. to <laughs> you're right next to each other. And then if you want to keep that wide receiver on that tight end wing side, now if they roll that safety down as run support, you short motion that X receiver, that Z receiver in, and now you've got a five man surface to the strength. I don't know, but de- there's not really a defense that exists that's there to account for five new gaps, you know, or three new gaps, you know, outside of the offensive tackle. So when you're running your duos in your outside zone, you're like reinforcing the edge. We've talked about, you know, Seth, what run support means. I'm going to talk about like hard jointing the box, right? You're setting the edge multiple times is the idea. You've got your defensive end, then you've got whatever that down safety or that sandbacker right outside of him. So you're reinforcing the edge. Well, that eliminates the idea of that. So you're able to get the edge a little bit easier. And now when you run duo, you're really getting this ridiculous wash down the line of scrimmage. And that's what they were able to hurt Seattle with. My concern, though, is because they don't have a true tight end going forward, it's going to be harder to counterpunch off of outside zone because what teams I think are going to start doing is just blitzing off the edge all the time. I think everybody's just going to get in the bear get a wide nine technique, whether it's a true linebacker or a safety, you're just going to slant everybody one way and you're coming right off the edge behind it. And you're just, and you're look, all you're really looking for is, Hey, you might beat us three times or four times on it, but we're just trying to get three or four TFLs. And now if we get you in the second and 12, second and 13, you can't do all that beautiful drift play action passing game. You can't get Julio as, as open because now we can play two high safeties. So that's going to be kind of the chess match I'm looking for with like Todd Downing as an offensive coordinator now going forward. That, excuse me, that was such is such a good point with the hip slot stuff is when you motion, all right, the receiver comes over and that's where I have big receivers helps too is because you can use these guys actually to block as opposed and to they have and they have two of like the thickest <laughs> monster. Monster. I know I know they in went the from league. Corey Davis and AJ Brown and they upgraded so right. like Corey Davis yeah, is no no yeah, look at AJ team. Brown let's get a guy that's two inches taller and maybe like 15 yeah. pounds heavier yeah. <laughs> and make him yeah. the other receiver. Corey, I know I know Corey Davis is one of the most physical receivers and it's just like that oh no let's get Julio uh but what you're creating with that is such a good point and it's so fun to hear like your perspective on it because it's like I have my own way. Like hip slot, you motion the guy over. You're creating a bunch to me, and and when you create such a, that such bunch, a quarterback. I know. I really am. I I know. I have to. I have to like put everything in my perspective. So when you create that bunch, though, it, it's like an unusual bunch in, in the sense from the defensive perspective. Because what what do you guys do? What does defensive guys usually? You get a hip slot over there. Oh, we'll cloud it over here, or we'll, you know, like they, you know, if it's cover three, we have the corner sitting on the outside. Okay, if I lined up in bunch, middle of the formation, just a nice bunch right right there. Okay, defenses have a check. Okay, all right, they're going to put their guys in better spots to, like, play the run. But now you go to hip slot and you motion the receiver over there. Okay, this is this is not what we're expecting this kind of formation to get created on us. Right. The, the, long, the long touchdown, um, I don't know if it was hip slot, but it was a hip formation. And uh, uh, with, uh, with Henry, where he broke the tackle, it, I mean, it was a wideback, which plays out a little bit like duo. Same thing though. It was a corner on an island tackling from the side on Derrick Henry. That mm-hmm. is a win. That yeah. is a win. I don't, even if it wasn't Derrick Henry, if it was just a normal, okay replacement level running back, that is an advantage to the offense. Now we have one of the biggest, most physical running backs ever, and he is getting tackled from the side. Okay, yeah, that's that's a win. Um, so that's what you're kind of creating. You're 
you're the defenses, as you know, defenses will just have this game plan. We're expecting this. We're expecting, we're expecting this. But if you just kind of camouflage what you're getting into while in the same way, it's so funny you say that too, because John, they, they would have all the time doing the split zone because he was a good crossing guy. And it works so well when they run the naked game because now John is slicing across the formation and then he's in the flat. And it's like, oh man, that opened up all that shit for them. Or they run a screen to him. Like, oh, and when you have an explosive, like legit, four, five and change, four, six flat tight end. It's not a six yard gain, eight yard gain. Those are explosive plays. Right. Um, so yeah, they are missing that. Now their explosive plays have to come from the two receivers. They just miss. It's, it's just that little, little, it's funny how like they just have to, okay, one hole open. So, okay, well, now we got to, how do we, how do we recreate? Remember Moneyball where they're trying to figure out how to replace like Johnny Damon and, mm-hmm. and Giambi's runs and right. how many runs they created. They're trying to find different ways to create them. Right, and the idea they ultimately landed on was like, we don't have to replace him with one player. Let's replace him with four players. We can replace him with six players, you know? That's that's kind of the idea. And to me, so to your point that that I was really fascinated by is when you talk about John Smith as that split zone guy, what that means defensively is I have to play you even. I can't overload to the strength because you actually will run weak. If you can't split me, you can't split me back in half and make me play both ends of the formation, then I don't have to honor the weak side of the formation. I can just shift my, I can basically treat, treat it like that a new offensive center. Go. Yeah. Like I can yeah. bump the whole front over or I can slide all the linebackers over or we can yeah. super rotate the defense now, you know? So that's going to be interesting to me. And what that really says about the rest of the season, the way I think it's going to play out is, the only way that you can keep defenses from loading up on you like that is Ryan Tannehill is going to have to be a real quarterback and beat those one-on-ones every single time he sees it. So that way defenses have to honor you in the passing game. Yeah. They just have to have true drop back options that aren't like, Hey, go balls. Defenses will go, Hey, I know you have AJ Brown and Julio, but it's like, you're not going to get all of them. It's a true, I completely agree. It's gotta be a true drop back concept or, play action that's not just drifts <laughs> drifts and posts and drifts and quarters you know it, it's got him they did have a nice tweak though the the long ball to julio because it, it's their version they like to do drift and corner so it's just for saying how it's really easy he just goes right across it's real real basic it's real fun uh but but with, then with julio they did a quarter post off of it and i thought that was pretty sweet like i was like okay you're, you're a couple of change-ups with these guys but like you said they have to play they have to get more tools in their toolbox, uh, I think, to to continue. I think every offensive defense is at that point, but especially them, if they want to be at that level they were. Uh, I'm watching the run right now. Derrick Henry touchdown. Two tight ends, hip slot, Y wide wing. Uh, but, yeah, so um, A.J. Brown starts on that, so it's trips, and he just short motions in. And then I just want to say, like, I, I don't have anything to add. This was a great discussion. Like, I, you guys know so much more about football than me. <laughs> I'm just going to add that. The way Derrick Henry outruns Quandry Diggs is oh disgusting. God. Like, you should yeah. not be allowed to do that. I'm sorry. You should not be allowed to play in this league. <laughs> You, that man got to do that in high school. That's the part that I always want people to remember. He was this size in high school, okay, and played running back. My my mom would my parents were at the game and uh uh they're they're actually sitting pretty close. My usually they use my mom like over the years, she'd sit kind of mid-level, you know, kind of just what she's where where it was where the family sit. She got they got good tickets in Seattle and she's like fourth row and she just goes, I didn't realize how big Derrick Henry is. And she was like, they had him like out split out and he motioned in or something. He was there in two strides. And she was, she was just, I've never really, my mom is just such a, like, 
she's a coach's wife. She's seen it all. Like, you know, like she has seen everything. Like, and it's just so funny to hear her like actually go like, holy shit. Like I've never really, I've only heard her say that a couple of times about players. Russell Wilson was one at Wisconsin, um, but Derek Henry is another, like Randy Moss is another, but it's like those times that she actually like comments about how impressive somebody is. That's like when you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's saying something because that's what it was. It was like that long touchdown. It was like two strides and the, the digs is like behind them somehow some way but that's it's it's great we've talked about it before Deontay it's like he's a 260 pound finesse back yes this this type of human being should not exist he is not the same as the rest of us nope it's not it's not I know and then uh, he sits next to a five nine corner it's like yeah good luck tackling (laughs) and and the funny thing is they kind of have like the Seahawks kind of get it right um Adams is a little out of control kind of gets pushed out of the way by by um well Brown. they did they did what i mentioned the teams would do right you blitz the edge and yeah. they tried it he just happened to get what he just got, wa- got washed, got washed down just enough to open up the edge for henry all right ladies and gentlemen that was the too high podcast uh, uh <laughs> nate tice uh is our guest nate tell us where tell the people where they can find you yeah, as you say, I am on social media full time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. Um, you can also uh, hear me on the Athletic Football Show. I'm on the Sunday night slash Monday morning episode and also the one that comes out Friday mornings where we'll preview the games for the weekend. Also, I get my gambling picks. Uh, you can hear me on Odds Checker uh, uh, with Justice Mosqueda, as we have talked about, one of our friends. And give some more gambling picks there. And also you can find my writing at my Substack, the silent count, which is silentcount.substack. Uh, but yeah, you can, at all those platforms, you can just me talking about how Trevor Lawrence isn't as bad as Seth Galina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to, well, you know, I had my nuclear take like after his sophomore season. Oh, yeah. So I have oh, you to. You're like, ready I, too. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm both, I'm both sizing it. So we're good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, plant, yeah, yeah. Plant, plant the seeds on both sides. So whatever one grows to a plant, you go, hey, this is mine. <laughs> All right, uh, Nate, thank you for joining us. And uh, to our listen- listeners out there, we will see you uh, next Tuesday morning. Yeah.